drank all night, acted all alright. They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarasha. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. I say this all the time. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. All right, and with that, we are kicking off another episode of the Talking with Tarashuk podcast. My name is Will Tarashuk, the Tarashuk in Talking with Tarashuk, T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. And this week, I am joined by my good friend, my friend from school, fraternity brother, and a lot of other fun words in between, Mr. Luke Mori. Luke, how are you, my friend? How are you doing? I am good, Mr. Tarashuk. How are you doing today, dude? You know, you go by President Daffodil in some uh, in some groups, you know? In some circles, I was a two-time president forced to step down because of the party. So, <laughs> hey, man, the, the, the great ones stepped down, you know what I mean? The great ones, I always stepped down to get assassinated. I guess I'm thankful it wasn't the latter. <laughs> yeah, how, how, was the, how was the parade, Jackie? How was the parade? <laughs> Other than that, Jackie, how was the parade? <laughs> it's a great comeback. I heard that at work, and I never let it go. <laughs> What's up, Luke, man? How you doing? What have you been up to? Um, I've just been chilling, man. Just moved down to Cape Cod. I'm in the South Coast, technically, so I'm not quite in Cape Cod. Like, if this is Massachusetts, I'm, like, somewhere around here. Okay. Um, yeah, I've just been chilling. I've been uh, looking for more podcast to edit, more kind of production jobs that uh, I can be getting into. I uh, just started up our podcast again with uh, our friend Nash. If you follow Ambiguous Podcast Solutions at all, you definitely know who uh, – that dude is, but uh, I've just been chilling, man. What have you been up to, dude? I really, I really like talking with Tarashuk. That is a solid, catchy name for a podcast. Well, so what happened was, um, you remember because you you edited all of season one of the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. Um, I did, I so did. It is it is on my resume and in my counter for how many episodes I have published. Make no mistake. I love it. I love it. Um, as well as you do the editing for um, Talking Toastmasters. I do, I do, I do do the editing for Angela's podcast. So shout out to Angela. But talking with Tarasha came about where remember, um, remember Madame Nacelle Ward that episode I did. Yeah, like, like the last episode for season one. Yeah, it was like the best episode, honestly. It was the best episode, but I was just like, this woman didn't have a podcast, so I had nowhere to put her. Yeah, and it got to the point where I was at a marketing, a uh, networking event in the city, and I had a bunch of like contacts, people I wanted to talk to, you know, leads essentially. And none of them had podcasts, so if I interviewed them, I had nowhere to put them. Mm, so I Jared was just like, it's time to start a new podcast. So I, just, I was like, fuck. Like, dude, that took me some convincing. But I was like, okay. Talking with Tarashuk. Well, that's what Talk, I'll call talking it. Talking with Tarashuk <laughs> is fire. Like, you, 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 oh, sorry, what? It was, just, it was right off the top of my head, just like that. Just talking with Tarashuk. Um, so you have your two podcasts right now, right? King, Kings of the Rings yeah. and talking with Tarashuk yeah. too. Yeah. Two of them right now. I, I gotta say, man, you know, if, if you're a fan of talking with Tarashuk, I can't confirm that this man right here was the first person I knew in my life who actually consistently did a podcast and it, you know, enjoyed the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we, I, I lived with Daffy for, for many years until he graduated. I'm a few years younger than him. And we, we, we lived in a, in a house with all dudes, you know, there was a lot of shit talking going on. 
And what I always admired about Daffy and his podcast, Kings of the Rings, was that even though, you know, someone might be like, dude, why are you doing a podcast? No one cares about that, dude. Podcasting is so lame. Why are you hanging out with like these people? You never waned off that. And to this day, while you guys are running like your 300th episode on this podcast, right? We are, we are pushing 300. 300 will come um, this sometime this summer. I think, I think we're scheduled for like in June-ish. Wow. So we'll see. Yeah, dude. It's pretty wild. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. And I remember I was telling Nash, Nash always needed a podcast. It's like, yeah, Luke, you always needed a podcast as well. Um, you and Nash, of course, are doing um, Midnight Showing. So let me through Midnight Showing, you know, the whole, the whole, do your plugs, essentially. All right, so well, I'll, I'll I'll give the full story, right? So let's let's travel back in time before any COVID stuff. Actually, literally a month before COVID, um, I was still living around Hofstra, uh, the place where we went to college, and you and Nash were living in Hoboken. Yeah. Um, we Nash was my roommate freshman year, so he was always one of my really good friends from college. And then we met you um, and everything, and you guys lived together in Hoboken, and I lived close enough where I could kind of go visit you guys for the weekend. Um, and we kind of started doing ambiguous at this point and I was looking for like more work and more stuff to do. And Nash and I wanted to start a podcast, but we didn't really know what to do. We didn't know if we should do like a variety show. When you do a variety show like that, it can be tough to like really like be kind of become a personality. Right. So we were kind of racking our brains. We didn't know what to do. And then we watched like movies until like 5 a.m. At, at your apartment that night. I remember. And Nash yeah, I remember me- that. I remember I was yeah. coming home. It's like, oh, shit, Luke's here. Yeah. I was on Luke's my apartment watching like Akira or some shit. Yeah. Be, be careful about <laughs> a crash on your couch for four days. Um, and so we, we watched the movie 12 monkeys with, uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis. and Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah. And like Nash was like, dude, this movie's crazy. I bet you've never heard of it. I had never heard of it. And I thought it was so sick. And then after 12 monkeys, he showed me the prestige right afterwards, which is also a movie that when the end of it hits, yeah. you're like, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, um, it hits hard, dude. It hits really hard. Yeah. And so, um, Nash and I, um, being roommates, we're, we kind of got like similar brains in a way we have like similar senses of humor. We kind of approach situations the same way. And we'd always talked about movies and television and stuff. It was always really easy for us. So we watched these two movies. We had like an hour conversation just about it. And we were like, dude, that could be the podcast. So because I'd never seen 12 monkeys or the prestige before, we kind of went with the idea that we would be looking for kind of like hidden gems that we thought, kids of our generation like didn't see you know because i kind of feel feel like when you're growing up like the movies that like your older siblings like or your parents really like are the ones that you're kind of like oh this is what media is but then there's a whole other world out there of other people's favorite movies and stuff and throughout the podcast we found a bunch of movies that i love that i've never seen before like i've never seen contact with matthew mcconaughey event horizon this like crazy movie so we kind of just started doing it. We got the ball rolling. We were doing YouTube videos and audio podcasts and everything, but the, we got like around episode 60 and we kind of really lost our fire with what we were doing. And I think it was because we were looking for hidden gems. And so we would go to like an actor's IMDB page and look for a movie we'd never seen before. And I remember one of the movies that kind of made me be like, I'm not sure if I want to do the podcast anymore in this state was blood and wine with Jack Nicholson. You ever heard of blood and wine with Jack Nicholson? No, I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah, it's not like it's not like total garbage, but it's just like a six out of ten movie. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so 
I love storytelling. I'm really big on storytelling. I find it infinitely interesting. And we were kind of approaching them with movies like The Prestige, where you can just talk about all this crazy filmmaking stuff and then finding movies from the 80s and 90s that we had never seen before. And then we kind of found ourselves like having conversations that weren't necessarily like inspired by anything. And kind of the idea of movies is that it's going to inspire you. And with doing the YouTube videos, Nash uh, doesn't really edit too much. And I went to school for like editing. Nash doesn't edit for shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're just you fine. Know, you it's, like it's, yeah. it's, it's not. It's not a knock on Nash. It's just he's just like I have. I've never learned it. Never gonna learn it. I have no intention of learning it. And that's just something yeah. I know going into it. Yeah, no. Well, you can you can talk about it too because you guys had an entire podcast yourself. Yeah. Um, but but a- anyway, I was doing all the YouTube videos. I was doing the audio, and like it got to the point where I was spending like twelve or fifteen hours a week, like doing this podcast between watching a movie, thinking about a movie, recording the conversation, doing the audio editing, then doing the video editing on top of that, then doing my own clips and stuff. And it just got to the point where I was spending like like 15 to 20 hours a week, not focusing on furthering my career or really making money and just doing podcasts that, to be honest, not a lot of people were listening to. So we kind of lost our fire. We had to take a break from it. And then um, I watched this movie with Robert Pattinson like two or two or three months ago called Good Time. Have you ever seen Good Time? I thought you were going to say The Lighthouse. I was about to get really excited, but no, I'll have to add Good Time to my list because Lighthouse, dude, I know you you guys, you guys did a midnight showing on Lighthouse. Yeah. Oh my God. that fucking movie, I was like, oh, this is Robert Pattinson. Like when I I say he was cast as Batman, I was like, no, 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 no. This is going to be great because this guy can act. He can act his ass off. Oh yeah. 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 But tell, tell me about this movie. So this, this movie, Good Time, is directed by the Safdie brothers. They did Uncut Jams. I don't know if you heard that movie, Uncut Jams. I have they... to watch it so I don't get the reference, but I know the movie. Uh, it's it's like a joke thing going on right now. But yeah, it's dude, directed it by... Kevin Garnett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, yeah, Adam Sandler and Kevin Garnett. What a duo. But anyway, this movie came out a few years beforehand. And if you know anything about Uncut Gems, it's a very fast-paced, anxiety-inducing movie, and that's kind of the point. And Good Time is the exact same way. I've never seen a movie in my entire life that has made me feel the way Good Time has made me feel. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where I'm jealous of you right now because you get to watch it for the first time. You know, I can never watch it for the first time again. And, um, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Oh, no, I was gonna say, um, I've never seen a movie like that before. And when it ends, it just leaves you with this like hole, and you just like mm. can't stop thinking about it. And I texted Nash right away, I was like, dude, you gotta see this movie. And it was one of those things where I was like, he's never gonna watch this movie. And I was like, you know what the best way to make him watch this movie is, dude, maybe we should start the podcast again. <laughs> oh, great, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, there's, there's a few movies I can think, there's actually just two movies where. As soon as I got to the ends, I had to go back and start it from the beginning, like that second. Yeah. One was A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that movie is just, you know, this just cost a 50th year anniversary. And uh, me and Jazz watched it, like, not too long ago. And it still hits, dude. The movie's incredible. But I only yeah. didn't watch it again because it was, like, 3 in the morning. Like, and, you know, <laughs> I, as I, I'd be home from college break. And, you know, I was in college. So I didn't go to sleep, like, ever. So mm-hmm. I went I went to bed like at three o'clock in the morning. So I started the movie at one o'clock in the morning. Then at three three o'clock here, I was just like, I'm going to bed. I'm too tired. That's a th- that's a thick movie to start at one in the morning, dude. I know. Dude, <laughs> tell me about it. I didn't know what I was getting into. I, I, I saw Kubrick, love Kubrick, never saw the movie, wanted to see the movie. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. And three in the morning, I was like, no, nah, I'll watch it in the morning. So I woke up the next morning and watched it again. But the other movie was Res Dogs, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but by the time that movie ended, 
I just went right back to the beginning and started it over. That movie was right. like 90 minutes, so it's 2.30. It's like, I can go yeah. back at 4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that movie's perfect, too, because just the way that the story's told, you know, once you get to the end, you have a way better understanding yeah. of what, like, actually happened, you know? And that's, that's kind of like, that's what storytelling is to me. And I... It's funny because I swear, I swear I saw this quote, but I cannot find it. So I don't know if I hallucinated and I made it up, but I'm pretty sure it's from the Safdie brothers. And it was on Good Time, and they were like, the mark of a good movie is that it it leaves you with something. You know, it, what that something is, it can be totally undefined. You might not understand it right away, but a movie that, like, you can't stop thinking about is a good movie. And this movie, Good Time, the way it ends, it's like, I I really don't want to give anything away about it, but it's a very fast-paced movie, and then it kind of just hits a wall, and you're like, whoa. And in that, like, wake of that, you're just like what was going on in this movie and it's like a feeling inside you that you just need to get it out and like have a conversation about it and what i love about doing midnight showing with nash is that like we'll watch a movie i'll be like i don't know if i like that or i don't know if i really connected with that and then just having that conversation with him about it nine times out of ten will open my mind to something i didn't even notice in the movie and we've been doing it long enough now that like we'll be like okay we have an idea of what our conversation is going to be then he'll say one thing and my mind will do a million things and i'm like whoa i didn't even think about that and then i'll say something and his mind will be like a thousand other things are like where where did this go what is this thinking of and i think filmmaking and like storytelling is so cool because in theory there's really no wrong answers you know what i mean right I mean, it's, yeah, it's all subjective. But like, what's what's your favorite aspect of, I guess, the film, the creative filmmaking process? Like, for example, mine is I've picked up a lot of uh, like sound design and sound mixing. Yeah. yeah. So like, if like if I'm watching a movie, I'll pick up the different like aspects of what goes into the scene, and I can picture how it looks in premiere or audition. Because like most of the sounds you hear on the in a, on a movie. Um, was recorded not on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, including the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's crazy. That and that's one of those things where you think about it and you're like, no way they do it that way. Yeah. you know, you're like, no, no way they're in like no, a like, studio, like, they're, like they're re-recording. Literally just, they'll literally just take like chain mail and just shake it in yeah. front of a microphone, or they'll just they'll just get footage of like armor being thrown downstairs. I'm using like a medieval reference because it's something that makes yeah. loud noises. Right? Yeah, like yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll cut trees and just get, put a microphone next to someone cutting trees and put it into the mm-hmm. movie. And you got to mix what audio levels go because it, it has to mix with the volume, has to mix with the actor, has to mix with other sound effects. So it's yeah. like a sound effect will be recorded, but it, you can't really hear it by itself but when it's mixed yeah. with everything else it sounds perfect well and even i'll um i'll admit I, I i am in a relationship at this moment in time and she does love watching the bachelor and the bachelorette so I, at Fair this enough. moment in time i do watch the bachelor on a weekly basis and it is like pretty crazy when you start to listen to how much they edit these people down especially when nobody's on screen you can like i i um, edit audio professionally so like I kind of have more of an ear for it because I know how it sounds when things are like quickly cut like that but it's crazy just like 
the way that you'll feel like they're just building sentences that people didn't actually say or not necessarily didn't actually say but just cutting out massive chunks of it to like go along with the story and they have like these live events where there'll be like a crowd laughing and it's it's funny to think that like okay in the moment when someone actually made that joke it probably wasn't that actual line of laughing in that actual shot of the crowd and then it becomes weird because you're like was that shot of the crowd actually at the end of the thing you know that's kind of like the stuff in production that you don't really uh think about yeah um, I, I call i call it my third eye or, or yeah. in some cases my third ear it's like I'm, I'm picturing what the editing process looks like even like with youtube videos yeah i, I can i, I look at like oh i could do that in vmix yeah right? like yeah, I, yeah. I understand how like I, i'm putting the pieces together and how to do it in my head yeah and it's just like dude if i had if it's like if i had a budget it's like the yeah. shit i think i could do because i would love to like do a, I think even it's a scene. I don't want to do a whole movie because I would take, screw that. But even yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. scene of doing that kind of sound design and sound mixing and the mastering and all that jazz. I think that would be incredible. Well, I mean, dude, honestly, to like relate it to what we're doing right now, what I really think is like kind of special about podcasting is how accessible it is for yeah. people who want to work like this and not have an insane production process about it, you know? Right. That's kind of, um, when I was in high school and I wanted to go to college for communications and, uh, you know, kind of productions. So, so a little bit of hindsight I wish I had is truly understanding what this industry is, you know, truly understanding how much work goes into stuff when the job is done, it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what I've kind of found is like this interesting duality in podcasting is like, it's so easy to talk about something you're passionate about. It's so easy to talk with one of your old friends about something you are both into, you know, and in that same breath, it's definitely still a lot of work, but it is so much more accessible if you want to make content to start a podcast about something you're passionate about than needing a budget to film a scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really funny when someone asks me like, what's not, not, not just what's a podcast. That's, that's a, that's a simple question to answer yeah. that some people just don't know, but the, the, what should I talk about question? Yeah. It just, it kind of annoys the hell out of me. It, 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 that has to be before, you know, starting the podcast has to be the afterthought, you know, yeah. I, I, back to Batman. I love Batman so much. I want to start a Batman podcast, not, I want to start a podcast. What should I do? And that's funny. Cause I just told you a whole story mm. about midnight showing about how we didn't really know what to do. And we had to find that. And then it kind of became uninspired down the line. Cause we weren't really sure if we wanted to keep doing it, you know, that's true. No, I, that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Watch you think if someone asked me like what do you, what should I talk about? It's like, no, 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 you're thinking about it backwards. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like something will happen to me. I go, oh, that would be a great podcast. Like, I didn't like, I yeah. had an idea, right? Because like, a lot of this these podcasts, like why I'm reaching out to like friends, family, whoever to be on these podcasts. One, because it's fun. Uh, yeah. two, it's a great way to reconnect. But three, I'm burning up a portfolio. Right? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. One, one thing I wanted to do, I had this idea. I was walking, as actually I was walking to get um Cadoba <laughs> in, in town and love the Q, bro. Love the Q. Or maybe it's, Sh no, it's, shout, no. shout out Qdoba. Shout out to Qdoba. But I was getting Jersey Mike's. I lied. I was getting, oh, very I was getting Jersey Mike's. Very different, but word. But it's delicious. <laughs> and I had this idea for like the fly on the wall podcast. Yeah. Okay. Where I have like I just I would just take an editor who's really good at editing. Just be like, here is my whole library of all the podcasts I've ever done. Yeah. Across APS, talking with Tarashuk, you mad bro, American Minutes, and Kings of the Rings. Yeah, geez, you have the, so many freaking hours I have, of yourself recorded, I dude. I have <laughs> close to 400 episodes total of me podcasting. That's crazy, man. That's so crazy. So I'd be like, here's a library and counting. 
Yeah. Uh, I want you to just pick random conversations and put in sound effects for transitions like you're a fly. Yeah. So it's just like, okay. and they land and they're listening into a conversation from one of my podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, like, it's, like, it's like, it's like a creative way to do a clip show. And at the end, it just cuts to black because someone squished the fly. Hey, dude, it, that, that, it's a Daffy compendium. It's, Literally. A, it's, it's the Will Terrisha compendium. Literally. It's just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a more clever way to do a clip show. Yeah, no, I like that a lot, dude. And again, like, it's really just got to come down to like, what do you want to do? You know, because I mean, we're living in 2022 here, you go on TikTok, everyone's creating content, and you you never feel like you have to do it too. you know what I mean? Like, I really think it's important, like, if your podcast isn't for your business, or or anything like that, it's really got to be like what you're passionate about and what you want to talk about. And if you don't approach it from that way, nine times out of 10, it's going to fail. I don't know if I've ever told you before, but I saw this wicked funny TikTok of this guy. And he was like, whenever my friends ask me to come on their podcast, I usually tell them get back to me in six weeks because by that point they'll have realized how much work a podcast is and they won't be doing it anymore. Well, that's why, that's why Gary, like whenever someone asks Gary V to be a guest on a podcast, like what number you want? They go like four. And he goes, get back yeah. to me at a hundred. I'm just yeah. like, dude, that's such a baller move. It's almost like, yeah, yeah. Man, this is like 250. Like, okay, you're dedicated. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I've I've talked with guests in this podcast about the the pandemic podcast boom. Yeah. And for from COVID, and they all quit after like a month and a half. That doesn't surprise weeks. me. That doesn't surprise me. You know, I I, I definitely just had like a, a whole rant about how accessible it is, and it is a thousand percent accessible yeah. for anybody to get into. It's but again, it's, it's 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 a lot of work. Man, and it, it really has to be something that you're really passionate about, man. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But in the same breath, it also doesn't have to be. That's why it's so versatile. You I know mean, what if I mean? You, like, if it's you put so a, versatile. If you put a budget behind it, yeah, uh, you'll you'll get what you want. But people think it's a get rich quick scheme sometimes. Nah, not at all. Not no. like it's it's a, it's, a, it's a, I don't mean it as a knock to them either. It's a subconscious thought. They're yeah. Because like, everyone tells you a podcast is a great way to make money. Yes, that's a thousand percent true. But you gotta. Put a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of cash into making sure that happens. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like I haven't, I haven't put any money really, like in terms of marketing behind any of my podcasts. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably pretty close to my hundredth recorded episode considering yeah. being on other people's podcasts like this one i did a couple american minutes episodes i yeah. did um and then nationalized podcast had 60 episodes and now we're doing even more so i've also spent a lot of time talking in front of a microphone and it's not really like weird anymore you know it can take you 15 20 episodes to even get comfortable in front of a mic i mean i even remember with midnight showing it took national i did one episode a week and it took until like episode 20 or 21 that i really felt like we were doing a good job you yeah. know what I mean? And that's, oh, that's, yeah. tw- that's 20 weeks, dude. You know, that, that, do- that doesn't go by. And it's funny when you go back and look at the episodes and you're like, oh, wow, I remember like that chunk of time, like felt like such a, a grind. And it's, but it's something you, you can be proud of too. You know, it's some, it's a way that you can express yourself very realistically. I mean, this is the most realistic way to connect with people through content. I feel, you know, that's a conversation a lot of people are having about like the news and the media and stuff and yeah. not even like specifically the news, but like talk shows and things are like five minutes of questions that are, you know, sub subreddited or subreddit. I don't know why I said Reddit right there, but you, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's long form. Like I ask, I ask people. Um, for an hour, but I always ask them before we go live. So okay, I've got to ask you actually. So if you can go longer, like if you can you go longer than an hour? Sometimes you go longer. And if we like, if we're in the middle of a conversation, I just like to let it rock. 
Yeah, um, for but sure. Then again, you know, if they have a hard out, I'll hit that out and I'll cut some things in my head. Oh, um, yeah. Sound bites, baby. It's a yeah. game of sound bites. Well, Luke, we're probably going to go over an hour because that's just what we do. <laughs> uh, but to, to your point, too, it took me a long time to actually like what I was putting out. And that's just not because of like uh, the what we were talking about, how we were talking about. It's more from like a technical perspective of quality in yeah. my mind. And like, it took me almost three years to get to 100 episodes for Kings of the Rings. Yeah. And it took around 100 where I was happy with where we were from a technical perspective with the equipment, recording. Oh, yeah. And I was still missing a final piece, which is what I'm doing now, which is recording on multi-track. Yeah. Um, that's been a gold mine since I started podcasting. It took me five years to get there. Yeah, man, I I, I really got, got to get on that. We're, we're still doing a single track and I have to line the two of them up, dude. I feel like a caveman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like Zoom, Zoom can let you record. There's some things out there that let you record on separate tracks. I haven't tried it with Zoom yet um, because I don't need to, but yeah. you can record a Zoom call with separate audio tracks, which I think is is so important for podcasting. It makes it a bit of a bitch to edit um, for an editor. So it's just mm-hmm. like, if I'm doing a cheap edit for someone, I'll just be like, yeah, I just don't. But if someone that actually pays me to do more work, uh, I'll be like, yeah, just put the other tracks and I'll make it sound better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's kind of the art form of it, man. I mean, like, I didn't even really learn what noise reduction was until, like, our 20th episode, you know? So yeah. you go back and listen, and I'm like, how did, why did I let all these plosives and fan noise in there? You know what I mean? There's still, there's still so much I need to learn with audio editing and video editing. Um, yeah. And vMix. I'm loving learning vMix. It's a great fucking tool. Yeah, no, vMix is dope, man. And that was kind of um, my own thing with, with my own work is, you know, I really started getting into video editing and audio editing and video editing is such a giant pool that you kind of have to dive into that I found I really enjoyed the audio portion of it because it felt a little more accessible again. And then I just like really started to get into like the actual processing of the audio, you know, not just editing out oohs and ums and keeping the pacing up and like removing stutters and stuff, but like um, make it compression, you know, that's a massive thing in any audio production is just making sure that when someone's listening to it, they don't have to turn the volume up and down because they're blowing out their eardrums, you know, or right. stuff like equal equalization, you know, where you just take someone's voice and you're like, Hey, these frequencies make your voice sound better. Let's up those. You know, I, I think that stuff is like so cool. Well, audio is editing audio. It's more, I think of it like, uh, it's 2d, right? Yeah. It's very, it's very flat. It's very, what you're doing. It makes more sense to me. Video mm-hmm. is 3D uh, because you're doing audio and video. Then you got like After Effects and graphic design. That motherfucker, that shit's 4D. Yeah. Animation. Yeah, yeah, One day. One day yeah. I'll get into I got the full Adobe Suite. I just got to go through all our tutorials. I went through like a lot of Illustrator, um, mm-hmm. which was really cool. But it's like I miss, I miss not – I don't have the artistic eye. Like, I know what same. I, I know same. What I, I know what I want, but I need people to create it for me using the products I don't know how to use. Yeah, no, dude, I've, I've spent some time in Adobe Illustrator as well. And I just like, I am so bad at drawing or like anything like that. My brain just like is, it's hard to look at something and like realize how to make it. And what I've noticed about tutorials on YouTube, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like almost all the Illustrator tutorials are like people with no dialogue and background music and then just clicking around the screen going mad fast. And I'm like, I I can't watch this. I don't know. This is, this is less helpful. Yeah. (laughs) You're making me more confused because it's like. And well, then you got his check because, like, if a video is from 2017 and I have a 2022 Illustrator, yeah, it stuff's formatted differently. Yeah, so it's like you gotta make super. sure it's up to date, which is just like I love YouTube tutorials, but Adobe has a lot of tutorials on their website, which is super helpful with videos accompanying them, and they give yeah. you all the assets. 
So like it's it's Adobe. I I don't even anytime someone it's like what should I use to edit? I go Adobe. Hands down, it's yeah. worth the money. A thousand percent worth the money. Yeah, well, just the way that they're all linked too, I really enjoy. Like you know, you can create something in Premiere and then you can link any clip to it straight to After mm-hmm. Effects, and it kind of just like the the workflow of it definitely to me at least feels a lot more kind of accessible for you know learning how to do it. That that's another kind of regret I have from college is like I learned how to do Avid and I learned how to do Adobe, but I didn't really go full swing into it, and then. And when I, in like the wake of the pandemic, when I moved back home, that's when I was like, okay, I'm back in New Hampshire. The easiest thing I can do is work from home and like really garner these skills. And now it's two years later and I feel like I can actually edit a podcast, you know? So even with the production stuff, it's really about what you want to kind of focus towards because there's so much of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I don't know, man. It's a tough world out there. It's, it's, it's a tough world out there. Day get day by day. I like editing. I'm going to continue editing. I like podcasting. I'm going to continue podcasting. Uh, so let's talk some Batman. Some Batman. Let's yeah. Talk, let's talk some Batman. All right, man. Because when I reached out, when I reached out to you, it's kind of like, "Want to be guys on a podcast next week?" I was like, "What are we going to talk about?" And I was like, oh, "Well, you know, we'll just kind of see where it goes." You know, you like, did you see Batman? So we can talk about Batman. Oh so, yeah, I can I talk s- for hours about Batman. I, I saw Batman this past weekend. Yeah. Very long. And yeah, very definitely. long, but like, I'm not mad about it. It's like the, I was watching it. There's some, there's definitely some fat that could have been trimmed from this movie, but I'm not like pissed off that it's, it was there to begin with. I'm not like, they should have cut it down. I was like, yeah, they could have yeah. cut it down. Well, I, well the movie, I thought the movie was excellent. I think, I think uh, that three hours can feel like a quick hour and a half if you're really into it. And um, I love Batman so much. I think I kind of enjoy it for the reasons someone else might think that there's like a little bit extra to it. You know, I like that it takes the time to slow down. And more than anything, this feels the most of an adaptation from the graphic novels of Batman than any other interpretation of him like on screen ever in in my opinion i've never seen a comic book movie that felt like every single shot of it is a panel from a amazing graphic novel you know i haven't i actually like i've never read a batman comic i've actually never read like superhero comics so mm-hmm. or graphic novels so i'll take your word for it but yeah. I, I love the theater going dude this is just like this is just, they could just call this just call it the batman gen z the Batman, <laughs> like, this, like, this, all, all depressing. Yeah, dude, this, this, this felt like this felt like the most Gen Z. Like this is the Batman in 2022 that everyone like is gonna yeah. fall in love with because it's just uber depressing, no hope, and political corruption until the end though, and he becomes the hope, and that's why it's a good movie. Does he though? I mean, <laughs> oh, plus, he does. By what the do you way, mean? we're gonna spoil the shit out of this movie. Um, yeah, I've seen it. So he, he absolutely he absolutely becomes the hope of of that movie. I think that's kind of the whole point. I mean, um, okay, yeah, but your city's underwater, so it's like at that point the hope's a little too late. Yes and no, though. What you what what I think what you really got to understand is that this is an extremely young Batman, yeah. and this is a story in which he might not be absolute you know he might not be able to save the city and not let the bombs go off you know he didn't discover the riddler until the the trucks were already going off you know the 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 riddler got him you know like that's that's what happened in the story and so it's not about preventing that from happening but what you do in the wake of that to give the city hope you know and when this movie begins 
he says, I am vengeance. And throughout the entire movie, everyone's calling him vengeance. And yeah. then at the end, you really realize that the Riddler has just, you know, totally perverted that. And that's really what the Riddler's kind of mantra is, is taking the idea of putting fear into the city. And when they have the interrogation scene, that's what they really talk about is the Riddler, Paul Dano being like, oh, isn't it great, man? You, you showed me that all you need is a little bit of fear. You know, all you need is a little bit of violence and the people will start listening to you, you know? So like, to me, it's really about in the wake of that failure, you know, what do you do after that? And I think that's what Batman truly is about, dude, because um, Batman has always been my favorite superhero. I'm not super into the Marvel movies. Uh, they're just like not really for me. Um, I, I have like nothing against them, but they're just not really for me. And Batman's kind of the only superhero that like really excites me. I don't know why. And I kind of felt like a fake fan, you know, I felt like a bat poser, you know, I was like, Oh, Batman's my favorite, but I've never read a single graphic novel or story about it. I've just seen the Michael Keaton Batman movie. You know what I mean? So I kind of <laughs> plenty of those. Yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of start reading more of the character to really find out where the roots are, because, you know, if you listen to any Christopher Nolan uh, interview about, uh, the Dark Knight movies, he's like, well, Long Halloween was the biggest inspiration I have because that was the first Batman story that showed you it could be cinematic, you know? Right. So I was like, okay, well, I want to read The Long Halloween. And what you kind of realize um, is that Batman is one of the most malleable characters in all of storytelling. And that's why I find him so infinitely interesting. And what I mean by that is you really realize that, like, the core foundation of Batman has been told by so many different artists, so many different authors, so many different filmmakers. Once you get into the realm of filmmaking that it's almost not about which Batman is better. It's which flavor of Batman are we talking about? So like, if you want to talk mm. about the Nolan films to me, that's blockbuster Batman. That's like mm. the studio was like, yo, you know, that guy who did inception and interstellar, let's give him the keys and see what happens. And that's interstellar or inception with Batman in it as to where this is Matt Reeves, Batman. And it's a lot more conceptual and stylized yeah. and living in its own realm. So yeah, it's Batman's emo phase. Yeah, Batman's emo phase when he's a young man. And so, of course, people are going to, like, argue about it online, about which one's better. And I've seen a bunch of old heads being like, the Dark Knight will never be topped. And it's like, you can have a preference, you can have a favorite, but I really don't think it's about which one's better. It's about which Batman are you feeling today, you yeah. know? Yeah, you know, and you got, like, a sick, uh, clowny, funny, clowny Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, clowny Batman, and then even farther back with Adam, Adam West. West. And, like, you got this yeah. silly, ridiculous Batman. Yeah, well, dude, let me let let me get on a soapbox a second for Batman Forever. Not Batman and Robin. Not talking about Batman and Robin. That one is the butthole one that no one likes to talk about. You yeah, know, it's Arnold silly Schwarzenegger. Batman. That's fine. But Batman Forever. Um, I watched a YouTube video by a guy that I really appreciate. I'll shout him out. High Top Alex. If you're really into uh, YouTube video essays, this guy High Top Alex does a really nice job, and he has this 45 minute video essay about Batman Forever, about why it is a sophisticated Batman movie that should garner more respect and. I the end of that movie i was like oh my god i've been wrong about this movie my entire life right because like the tim burton ones were super dark and depressing everyone knows the story so they got joel schumacher to do it and everyone's like well this is just more kid like this is just more of a kiddie movie that's not really the point you know he's trying to make uh hyper reality in which it's like a comic book you know and it's not a dark graphic novel comic book like the batman that just came out it's maybe those higher type heightened reality adam west type comics where like there's the freaking bat mites and the bat zebra and all that stuff and that's kind of done on film so again to like reiterate my point that's just the flavor of batman for today maybe i want to watch paul dano be a serial killer maybe i want to watch jim carrey you know be jim carrey so who's your favorite batman 
What's your favorite flavor of Batman? It's got to be Robert Pattinson, honestly. Okay, honestly, that's bold. just that's bold. takes the cake. All right, it, ta- it, ta- it, it takes the cake for me because of how stylized and, and conceptualized it is. You know, because in reading a lot of these stories, I felt be I've become closer to the character in a way of like really kind of understanding what the point is. I guess you know, and I, I don't want to sound gatekeepy at all, but like this movie really felt like it was made for people who just freaking love Batman. You know what I mean? Like people who like really care about the character and want to see him succeed in the ways that you can see him succeed in like a lot of the literature. Yeah. Well, what I, what I like about Battinson uh, was the fact that, you know, he was in costume as Batman for like 80% of the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean, like this yeah. was a Batman movie. Whereas yeah. You see a lot of, um, like uh, uh, what's his name? In Bale, Bale, Christian Bale, in the Batman movies, where it's like Batman kind of goes through the fight scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, totally. He's, he's in costume to get shit done. Like Robert Pattinson does everything in the bat suit. Yeah, he has to because his 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 foil is Catwoman. So this, it, I think that adds a lot more when it comes to the idea of like because there's, there's when you're playing Batman, you're playing pretty much three characters. You're playing you're playing Batman, the vigilante. You're playing Bruce Wayne in public, and then you're playing Bruce Wayne with Alfred, like yeah. people who know he's Batman. Yeah. So you're really kind of pulling off three Good characters, point. whereas this one, he was just Batman the entire movie. Because he, he's just so disillusioned to the world, man, yeah. you know? There was no Playboy. There was no Bruce Wayne. It was just, no, this is fucking Batman. You know, and I, I love how young he really feels as a character, too, because I, I think that's a huge thing with Christian Bale is that, like, I feel like in those Nolan movies, you always kind of feel like Christian Bale is in control a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, he in Batman Begins, he's a young man, but I still think, you know, Christian Bale doesn't ever feel like a kid, you know? I think Robert Pattinson did a great job not showing his actual age and making you feel like Batman is just like some 24 year old dude who like needs to get out more is like so obsessed with just just what what this is you know and at the end of the day I also think you have to remember that Batman is a tragedy you know like Batman is an ironic tragedy you know it's like there you can go with the Adam West flavor and the Joel Schumacher flavor but like here and even in the Dark Knight you know at the end of the Dark Knight it's all about how he became that hope again both two of the greatest movies superhero movies of all time are both about Batman becoming hope. Okay. That's not, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> like, okay, do you want the Christian Bale super playboy one? Nothing wrong with that, but that's a different Bruce Wayne, you know, that's, yeah. that's a different Bruce Wayne. Yeah, this very, this, very different. Yeah. This, this Bruce Wayne can't go to a Met Gala and, you know, buy the, I think it was in Batman Begins when he buys the hotel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Robert Pattinson is so far removed he from that. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he just doesn't yeah, yeah. give a fuck. He's like, we gotta keep up appearances for like this foundation. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like that's how the movie begins, and then I think it's it's so good because by the end of it, you really feel like we got somewhere. You know, you as you see him with. One of the best shots of the movie is for sure when he has the flare and he's walking out of the water with mm-hmm. all the Gothamites behind him following, and then you know he's picking up the girl um at, at the end bring her over and they have the overhead shot of him dirty looking up at the sky you know and in the beginning of the movie he was clean in the rain looking up at the bat signal and after before that he said i am vengeance and now at this part over here i am hope you know what i mean yeah yeah no it it, it definitely worked uh the movie was excellent the acting was great i liked having uh, andy circus's alfred 
Uh, yeah. the, the Riddler. I think they. I. I first of all, though, before we get to the Riddlers, I do want to spend a lot of time on the Riddler. Um, Colin Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Holy goddamn! Indescribable. Oh you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Like I, I found out it was Colin. Like if I didn't know Colin Farrell played the. Uh, I would have shit myself. Like, yeah, it was right. like, oh, wait, that's Tom Cruise from Tropic Thunder? Like, that, <laughs> that kind of, like, wait, you're lying. Like, you have to go to IMDb and look at shit to make sure no one's not punking me. Like, yeah. what an incredible job by the Penguin. Like, I know Dane, the big shoots are filled with Dane DeVito, but incredible. I thought he yeah. was almost, almost better than the Riddler. Oh, yeah, no, dude, and totally, and I think, um, I don't think any of the villains in this movie are going anywhere. I think they're really going to stick around for, you know, the longevity of all these sequels that they're going to make, dude, and I mean, my God, dude, when he's, like, yelling, I got you, I got you, you sick weirdo, and then he just pops out of the fire, dude, I mean. Yeah. Moments like that just hit you, dude. And I, I saw it in IMAX too, and there was like, oh, baby. you could feel it in your chest yeah. throughout that entire sequence, bro. It was just so, it's just so incredible, man. It was great. And, and honestly, shout out to, to John Totoro too for playing Falcone. Oh, it's yeah, like, dude, amazing. One thing I was concerned about with the trailers was, you know, they had three villains, but seemed like three villains. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough to pull that off. Yeah. And a lot of movies don't. But yeah. this one, and then Homecoming, uh, the, uh, the no, no Way Home, the last Spider Man, yeah, they they both pulled it off. Excellent, like Falcone, uh, Penguin, and Riddler all got like equal screen time with a clear hierarchy of who's in charge. Absolutely, dude. Like, Absolutely, and that's yeah. that's that's a testament to the writing. For sure. Yeah, no, and I, I would even, um, I would argue that Dark Knight Rises doesn't do as good of a job with it. And I think Definitely. that's why that movie fell short for a lot of people. Yeah. And again, back to uh, the graphic novels I've been reading, what you realize in a lot of them is that like, sometimes a bad guy will show up for a chapter and then he's like gone. Like the, the long Halloween is really interesting because it doesn't take place on one night. It takes place over the course of a year and every month is a different villain. So in the long Halloween, there's pretty much 12 different villains all getting to this. And that's like, you know, the Joker, the Riddler, Poison Ivy, like all that stuff. All these characters are in this graphic novel and like it doesn't feel too full. It doesn't feel like it's full of fat. It doesn't feel like it's wasting your time. And so that's what I'm extremely interested about in more of these movies is like how Matt Reeves is going to be able to capitalize on this and like utilize even more characters from one of the greatest rogue galleries of all time. Uh, No, definitely, 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 definitely. All right, the Riddler. Yeah. So... I loved the Riddler. Yeah. Um, Paul Paul Dano for a second. Can we just say there will be blood, prisoners, the that's Batman. That's I knew like, him from. Yeah, dude, dude. Like, Paul Dano. I drink your Sh- milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that, that's, he's the guy counting the Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay, copy, copy. And I know who he is. Because I was like, you look so familiar. Yeah. And I could, I just couldn't put my finger on it. Have you seen Prisoners? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's, yeah. Prisoners, prisoners, prisoners is incredible. I love Prisoners. Great movie. I've only oh, seen it oh. once, but it's a great movie. But I was yeah. watching this movie, and I like, I like what they're doing with the Riddler. But I couldn't help thinking, how is this any different from the Joker? I understand that. It's just they didn't do the Joker because the Joker's been done so many times. So they did the Joker, but they just called him the Riddler. And I'm trying to think of, yeah, because, yeah, there is the riddles and the whole... Like mm-hmm. methods to the madness, as well as Joker's just pure chaos. Yeah, but I well, think I, that's even a little bit of a stretch. Like this Riddler felt too much of 
a joker to me. I think it's in the performance and the acting over the actual intention of the character. Mm. Um, I think I think what's kind of making you feel that way is the way that he screams into the phone. No, justice cannot lie. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff is a little over the top and feels a little jokery, but. When it comes down to the character of the Joker, Joker is chaos, man. You know, there there's almost no method to the madness. There's no point to it. He yeah. is the pure antithesis of Batman. And so when the Joker's in the next one, I have a feeling that's kind of what the story is going to be about. As to where the Riddler had like a really clear motive as to why he was doing this stuff, why he felt like he was smarter than everybody, why he felt like he'd been wronged by everyone. So I, I, I totally agree that his performance came off as like, a bit of like, of course, this is what a psychopath acts like. And like, you can totally chalk it up to being like the Joker. I think the difference is kind of just in the um, intention of like the character, you know what I mean? And it's, it's hard to compare it to the actual Joker. So I'm interested in what the conversation is going to be like when we actually get the Joker in this universe and how much he relates to Paul Dano. And they made it seem like their boys are going to be, you know, in, intertwined in the next one too so maybe it'll just be this Dude, crazy crazy story I, I hope so I like after seeing that scene I want to see them team up so bad yeah like that would yeah, be yeah. incredible also who the fuck put them in next to each other in Arkham you're a dumbass. Yeah. Right? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. dude, put him next to Killer Croc, all right? What are the fuck yeah. what are they gonna talk about? You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you put him next to the Joker. Yeah, bad call. Marone, my Maroni, dude. Nah, bro, but that, that's so good. So where do you, um, where, okay, what's, you, I didn't ask you, what's your favorite Batman? What's your favorite, favorite Batman? My favorite Batman, that's tough. I mean, this, I, I do think this one's better than Christian Bale. I mean, Christian Bale's Batman, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, yeah, he's, he's a great Batman, mm -hmm. but I think he gets a lot of rub from Heath Ledger's Joker. Absolutely. Like Heath Ledger's Joker is so good, it elevates the other two movies. And it's also elevating Christian Bale as Batman. I a thousand percent agree with that. Um, I haven't seen percent. Michael Keaton. I haven't seen George Clooney. I haven't seen Adam West. So really, it's the only one I can compare it to. You've never seen Batman 1989? No, I've never seen it. Dude. I know. I didn't even see Michael Keaton as Batman. Bro, but, stop playing the Arkham games and just watch Batman, dog. Dude, Come on. I'm going to go Batman the Animated Series. Oh yeah, for sure, Kevin. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Kevin that's, C, baby. That's yeah. that's my fit. That's my favorite Batman, definitely okay. because easily it's, because it's it's cartoony, but you, it still hits when it needs to hit. Absolutely, it's entertaining. It's fun, and the fucking Joker is incredible. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everyone Luke Skywalker um, as the Joker. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, that's an. A, the animated series, Kevin Conroy has become the indefinite voice of Batman. Yeah, when he's you the read voice about of Batman. Batman. Yeah, you, you read it in that way. And, I mean, Mark Hamill can hold a candle to Heath Ledger. That's just what it is, you know? Definitely. And I'll argue Definitely. that with, with anybody, dude. But, again, it's just about that flavor, dude. Like, that flavor of Batman is, like, this really stylized, artistic, cartoon world that takes itself seriously enough or it's for kids and adults, you know what I mean? And then yeah. um, there's this version called the batman that came out uh it was a we were a little too old for it I, we were like in our like early teens when it came out and it was on cartoon network and it was like another reboot it's uh like bruce wayne like three years into being batman and this is the batman where like the joker has like really long green hair and they like redid everything 
And that's another Batman that's just like told in kind of a different way that's focusing on him as like a young kid. And that's kind of, that's just kind of what I think about the Batman is that he's so cool because it's all about the core concept of like who the superhero is, not even like the way that it's presented, I guess. I, I don't know if that made sense. It's like the way that Batman is presented is like the same core ideas, but can be told in like so many different stylized ways. And that's really what I find so interesting about storytelling, you know, back to midnight showing for a second, like when we can find a movie that like you can just talk about for 40 minutes. And then at the end of that conversation, say something that just makes you completely think about it in a different way. Like that's cool storytelling to me. Cool storytelling is when I can see, I have a counter. It's like a joke that whenever I see Batman's parents getting shot in a comic, I like add a check mark to the thing. And it's like, even though I've seen Thomas and Martha Wayne be gunned down so many times. <laughs> so like, many times. <laughs> yeah, it's like every time I'm like, okay, but this one drew it a little cooler. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? You know what I mean? This one happened in daylight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was one thing I will say about uh, the Batman. It's just like, dude, this I guess Gotham's in Brie. It's just always dark and it's always raining. Yeah. Well, dude, I saw it for a second time this past weekend. Um, I think they should ban all plastic from movie theaters, you know? People just need to, you know, open up their M&M packs in the loudest way possible. <laughs> um, but, that, dude, I didn't even notice how much it was raining the first time I watched that movie. I, like, it's so just part of the aesthetic that I almost like didn't even notice. And then on the second time I was like, wow, it really is raining this entire freaking movie. The entire huh? very, movie. very damp set. It was a very well, damp, damp production. I mean, the whole movie takes place over a week. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's believable that it would be raining that entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That, if that Shit, happens, yeah. what well, kind of that begs the question, Luke, what state is Gotham in? I think, uh, I like to think East Coast. You know? I, I definitely think East Coast. Um, like the way it was shot, um, it looked very much like New York. Yeah, like they made Gotham look a lot like New York. Night like, yeah. the, the, the Garden, obviously. Um, like the, like the Wayne Manor, but like um, also like when you saw the water coming in. Yeah, it just looked like Lower Manhattan. I feel that. 100%. And you know, uh, someone's like, "I'm just gonna go upstate." Like at the end of the movie, Catwoman's like, "I'm gonna go upstate." Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's that like, feels a lot. That's, yeah, that's, that's, like, this feels like New York. So I think Gotham might be in New York, at least in this in, in this universe. Yeah. Well, another another thing I love about Gotham is like how timeless it is. You know, like they, that's really present if you watch the animated series where like there's televisions, but there's also cars from like the 1940s. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's an, another part of Batman that's so cool is how the city kind of becomes its own character. You know, Gotham is its own living, breathing thing that has all this stuff going on inside of it. So it is, and I, I picture I picture uh, Nolan's Gotham as Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, it's funny. Um, I saw I saw a tweet that was like uh, Matt Reeves. You know, it's very it's very stylized. It's like New York, but not really. And Christopher Nolan was like, Yeah, I don't know. It's Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so you filmed in Chicago. What do you want from me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like after I saw Batman, I got home, played the game for a few hours. And before I went to bed, I put on Mask of the Phantasm, the animated oh one, from like the 90s. It was a quick the, hour, quick hour and 16 greatest, minutes. Yeah, one of the greatest remember, Batman stories. I don't remember which one it was, but I remember watching Batman as a little kid, and it ended with, like, Joker dying in, like, an airplane explosion or something. And, like, Batman and Batwoman are on the ground. And I have no idea if, I, if I'm imagining that, if it's real, 
or like where I saw it, but I've been wanting to find that Batman forever. Well, there's tons of movies. Um, that does kind of sound like the end of Phantasm a little bit because there are no, explosions. It, there are explosions, but it's not Phantasm because I just watched it. It was uh, it was this a Batman. Um, it was animated, and it was he was um, it was like the, the same cast: the voice of Batman, and then uh, Luke Skywalker as a Joker. Or maybe it was like mm. a flashback. I don't know. But do you remember which the first the first Batman you ever saw? Probably the animated series. Animated that, series? That, yeah, that came out like right when we were kids. Yeah. Um, maybe like a few years after. And my um, my it brother was, on was the old. W-B. Yeah, <laughs> my brother was really into Batman too. So I saw like 1989, and I saw like Batman the animated series and all that stuff. And I have like I have a bunch of pictures of me as like a little kid running around with like this cowl that like one of my mom's friends like sewed. And I would like I'd put it on, run, run around the house, and everything. So, I've definitely felt like a like a bat kid my entire life. And this this Batman movie really just like just really hit it out of the park and kind of reminds you that like when when something is like really handled with care, you know how awesome it can be. When there's that's kind of my thing with Marvel movies, man. Okay, I'll, I'll talk about it. And I've I've found out that this no, let's go. Pit, Dig in. I'm not a big fan either. It's fine. This this opinion can be considered a little like gatekeepy or like douchey. I'm not Martin Scorsese. I don't think Marvel movies are like ruining cinema, but to me they just kind of feel like uninspired. And I'm not saying all of them are bad. Like Endgame and Infinity War are dope. The new Spider Man was dope. The Iron Man's back in the day. I'm excited for Multiverse of Madness because Sam Raimi's directing it. You know, but like when the superhero movies feel like that, when there's like being pumped out i just like it doesn't it really excite me because it just kind of feels uninspired in that way you know and i haven't i didn't, didn't watch any of the tv shows i haven't seen loki or wandavision those are supposed to be really good and i love the old x-men movies from back in the day but like those marvel movies i just don't see as much character to them mm. and the batman has so much character it's so stylized it feels so real and then you know you're kind of watching ant-man and it just doesn't hit the same or, or even like no way home a little bit is like, did they really need to put all these characters in like the dude's apartment for like 20 minutes? You know what I mean? Like that scene, like move the plot along. Sure. But like, does it really feel correct? You know, or even like all like the doctor strange stuff in that movie is like, I feel like we're doing this because of what it is, not what it actually should be. If that makes sense. I, I, I guess I, Yeah. I, I suppose my thing with Marvel, uh, so it's kind of, I guess, build an analogy here. There's flavors to Batman, right? Yeah. And they're all very, very different flavors. Marvel movies, and there are some exceptions, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, Marvel movies are just vanilla with different toppings. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? No, for sure, we, for do sure. We, do we have the Iron Man sprinkles or do we have Captain America like fudge? Yeah, 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 and it's it's not that they're bad. It's just that it feels like it's pumped out, you know. Like it really feels like the directors just get back a thousand notes from the studio or producers that say this isn't being hit, this isn't being this isn't being hit, and then like when when it's crafted in that way, it kind of takes away like everything that's stylized from it. And comic books are so cool, and 
what I've kind of realized doing Midnight Showing too is just like the different forms of storytelling and how different they really are. You know, whether it's a book, like a novel, whether it's a movie, whether it's a miniseries, whether it's a comic. And sometimes adapting comics to movies are really hard. I think Watchmen is a great example of that with uh, Zack Snyder back in the day. And at the end of the day, I think it's just because the Watchmen is such a long, thick, complex Very long. story. Wasn't that a fan. E- yeah, even the the three hour version of this super long graphic novel still feels rushed. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it could be such a hard medium to translate into filmmaking. And to me, it almost kind of feels like Marvel just takes the easy way out of like ah, this is how we tell a story from a comic book when like like honestly, like when I was rewatching it this weekend, like paying attention for more stuff, almost every shot of the Batman feels like it's pulled from a panel of a gothic graphic novel. Yeah, it definitely had a different feel from any other DC movie I've seen. Um, I didn't. I never saw any of the Bat flicks. Um, but uh, I didn't really care for those. No. I I don't need to. That's that's fine. I don't. I don't. I never cared that uh, Ben Affleck was Batman. I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Um, yeah, but my first introduction to Batman. So this is actually pretty funny. This is my story. Um, as a kid, my mom bought me the Scooby Doo and the Alien Invaders VHS tape. Oh, dude, wait. You got it. Pull it up. Yeah, hurry up, asshole of podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, there we go, that's, baby. That's Live. The, we did not plan this, that's, dude. That's the one. Yeah. So that VHS, <laughs> if you pop in that VHS tape, there is an ad. There's a commercial, a preview for Batman Beyond oh, Return word. of the Joker. All phenomenal. Yeah. So that was, I was just like, what is this movie? Because mm-hmm. it was like the ad was so great. It was just like, split up Batman. And they had like the, the the laughs under it, and they were just like return mm-hmm. of the Joker. And I was just like, "Oh my god, I need to watch yeah. this movie." And then I went to Blockbuster. And <laughs> I saw it there, so I rented it, and that was my first time watching Batman. And it wasn't even Batman; it was the second Batman. Because yeah. Batman Beyond, I actually watched it not long ago because it's on HBO Max. Dude, it still holds up. It's like Terry. Oh, yeah. is it Terry McGinnis is the yeah. new Batman. Yep. Like you got Bruce Wayne being all old with his dog. Like Alfred's dead, and then um, <laughs> the, whole, the whole story. <laughs> Alfred's dead. The whole story is it's like, all right, Joker comes back, and it's low key Robin, because like, just craziness. Yeah, dude, that's that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Actually, it's traumatic, man. Yeah, the scene where he's just like it's laughing and crying as a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah dude, yeah, it's yeah. fucked up. It's just like Robin. It's okay. He's like, <laughs> yeah, because like well, he kills. It's just the nerve gas. He kills his dad. It's like, bro. This is a kid's movie. <laughs> well, dude, again, Batman has the potential to be so freaking yeah. messed up, dude. And that's another thing about, you know, the, the whole Batman doesn't kill thing. That's another thing that I feel like a lot of people kind of miss the point on. Um, the, to me, the whole point of Batman is the fact that he doesn't kill people. Yeah. And when you relate it directly to the return of the Joker, the return of the Joker is using some themes from the dark Knight returns and death in the family where the Joker kills Jason Todd. Right. 
And of course, you know, it's fucked up that Robin died. But what's even more fucked up is when you realize that Bruce Wayne is the one who put this person in this situation. You know what I mean? And the Joker's still alive. And in the, the comic, the red under the red hood, that movie starts with Stephanie Brown dying from the blast mask. Another soldier that Bruce Wayne brought into his never ending fight on crime, his ironic tragedy. Right. Yeah. And he has two people killed now. And, well, and then, constantly then, puts then in danger had, all these other people. He had Gordon's daughter become uh, paralyzed. Yeah, exactly. She got shot, dude. Another person in the wake of everything that got screwed. And so Rachel blew up. <laughs> yeah, dude. That, that's that's like that's what's crazy about Batman is that he will not kill people. He will not kill the Joker while the Joker, you know, of course the Joker kills thousands of people that Batman doesn't know, but Joker's come into his house. Batman has let the snake into the chicken coop and he killed two chickens, maybe even more. In Return of the Joker, it's that. But like, you know, one one of the lines from Under, Under the Red Hood that Jason Todd says is he's like, I'm not mad at you because you didn't save me. I'm mad at you because he is still alive, right? And it's like, Batman, how do you justify that? How do you justify the Joker killing like two or three of your soldiers that you brought into this, right? But you won't kill him. And that's the tragedy of it. That's the irony within it. So like, you'll see people be like, oh, Batman doesn't kill people. Well, how come in Arkham Knight, he suplexes them? Well, that's a video game where they want you to feel cool and beating the crap out of people. The actual like foundation of the story is how yeah. ironically he just won't do it dude and they're what well, i love about the, the game you don't kill them yeah yeah Technically. yeah yeah people are like oh i'm just gonna break your spine but like not kill you and it's like no dog he would just be the punisher if he did that that's not that's the not point. Yeah, that, not because batman. again with batman dude you're you're getting me ranting now batman again is so sick because <laughs> he he chose it dude he didn't have a green ring put on his finger because he was the chosen one he's not kal-el falling from the sky like jesus here to save the people batman is a dude who decided himself i have the power I am the person who is going to be bigger than everything. I'm going to be the person who decides to do this. Well, what gives him the right to do that? You know, what gives him the right to bring other kids, kids, you know, and Robert Pattinson, I love the guy because he said, if he's ever going to do a Robin in the Batman, it has to be a, a teenager has to be a teenager. And I can, you know, I don't want to spoil anything because I don't know anything, but I could see a teenager dying at the hands of uh, the Joker. And then maybe that's like what this entire story is about dude dude I'm not, okay here's okay here's, that's a great idea this is what i want for a sequel like the sequel is he brings in he brings he needs help fighting off the joker and the riddler yeah and he has to bring in someone and his only choice is fucking robin yeah a yeah, teenager yeah. and they're gonna cast like the kid from 13 reasons why right <laughs> like everyone's gonna be like this is fucking awful yeah, this is yeah, the yeah. shittiest pick what the fuck is this guy has no charisma Right, like, or they'll do Tom Holland. It'll be amazing, right? <laughs> that would be so funny. That'd be dude. so funny. Like, honestly, uh, I don't know if you would catch like McLovin. I think he'd be a great Robin if it was like five years ago. <laughs> but like, they're gonna cast someone who's Robin. They're gonna doubt him. His performance is gonna be incredible. Everyone's gonna love it, and then he dies at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude, and it has to be at the hands of a villain. You know, yeah, and like the Joker, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to it has to be at the hands of that person. And like, you know, they even kind of set it up in this one with uh the mayor's son, you know? Like Bruce Wayne looks at that kid and just yeah. feels yeah, feels they, it. Yeah, you they know? do set up a little bit. That would be that would be great. Um yeah. that would be really great. Uh well now what if 
this would never happen. But if they did the, did the second movie with the Joker, what if they convinced Joaquin Phoenix to do it? I'm interested. Uh, Joker 2 has been rumored. You know, it's I just, been rumored. I, I don't see Joaquin Phoenix reprising the role, though, because he's such a weird uh, dude. They're different. You know, the movies are different, too. You they're, know, very, like, they're very different, but... Like I, I, I feel like whoever you cast as the Joker, he's he almost has to play second fiddle to the Riddler because of the star power, or you're gonna set him up for failure because you can't follow that up. Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one, dude. And I mean, just from that little snippet at the end of the movie, it seemed like a pretty unknown person. I haven't seen anyone online really trying to guess who the actor is that could potentially play the Joker. Yeah. Um. Now that'd be crazy, man. That'd be crazy. There's just so much potential here. And you know, like I really, my, my whole, like, you know, uh, sw- song about it that I just want to get on the soapbox is that like every Batman is different when they're rebooting Batman. That's kind of the point. He's the most malleable character, like in almost all of storytelling because he's been retold so many times over the past 80 years. And like, the foundation of it for me is like the tragedy of it, the irony of it. Who gave this guy the power to go into the middle of the night and do stuff? Well, he kind of did it himself. That's the choice he makes. And where do those, where does it line up? Where does it not line up? Like I just find that stuff so infinitely interesting. And I, I just, I, I'll, I'll eat it up. I'll, I'll just eat it up constantly, dude. I'll go see that movie again tomorrow. Dare me. I also, I also <laughs> like that. Well, let me ask you, is Batman a superhero? Absolutely. Okay. Well, here's no. Here's here's oh, where super is super the word that you're focusing no, on. No, no, not even that. Um. Well, that that's part of it. Yeah. That that's okay. If we're gonna have we're gonna have this debate, Luke. Okay. I think I'd be a little more nuanced than that. The, fair like, enough. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Like, I got yeah, you. yeah, yeah. He's he's a rich guy who knows martial arts. Like that's really yeah, what Batman yeah. is. But he's also yeah. very smart and intelligent, all that stuff. But like, a part of being a superhero is also the perception of your actions. Absolutely. Like, Batman isn't a superhero. Batman is a vigilante. Absolutely. Because yeah. some people love him. Some people just don't. They think he's a criminal. Like, you don't get that with Spider-Man as a superhero. Yeah. Like, he's recognized as a superhero, other than JJ, right? Other than JJ. Yeah. Um, he's recognized as a superhero. Iron Man, superhero. Captain, Captain America, America. Yeah, superhero. Yeah, yeah. Except for that one time he's a terrorist. Right? But, like, that's just, that's just misunderstanding. But for the most part, like, no one... No other superhero other than Batman has like a run-in or questions with the law. Yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. for that reason alone, I think you can't really consider him a superhero. He it, he is more encompassed as a vigilante. Absolutely, man. I mean, that, yeah, dude. That's that's honestly like. And this movie encompasses that, like that whole scene in the in the in the, uh, in the police station. Yeah. This encompasses the whole scene. Dude, it was so hard when he was like, count me down for three. <laughs> like, Damn, bro. Hell yeah. But again, dude, again, that's what I find so cool about him is that like, you know, he didn't get a ring of power. You know, he yeah. he, he, he didn't get that. He he chose it himself. And it's it feels like a, a never ending war. And um, you, what you'll find, too, is that like in almost every Joker story, that's just what the Joker pushes. There's there's death in the family. And then there's another one called Death of the Family written by uh, Scott Snyder. No relation to Zack Snyder, I'm pretty sure. But um, in that movie, dude, like Alfred almost dies. Most of the Bat family almost dies. The Joker really pushes Batman. And at the end of it, he makes a really cool point where he's like, don't you get it? He likes fighting with me more than he loves you. 
He likes fighting crime and being a part of this game, this this dance, this tango we do together over having a family. So this this whole bat family, you know, having all these Robins, it's just a farce. It's just a facade so he can feel somewhat normal, you know? And it's like, dude, that's not for kids. <laughs> like, what? Like, that's not, that's not, you know? And um, this funny point I just thought of, uh, Alan Moore wrote The Killing Joke, and he hates The Killing Joke. It's, like, really kind of funny that, like, one of the comics that changed comics is written by a guy who, like, doesn't even like it that it's much a great anymore. Movie. Killing Joke's a great movie. Um, um, and, uh... I totally forgot where I was going with that. Oh no, no, no. So he he doesn't like the way he he wrote that movie. Um or, or he doesn't like the way that he wrote that story because it's like a little too dark and the Joker's doing like some really messed up stuff. Um and he ends up the like there's 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 this whole like idea at the end of it that like does Batman actually finally go that far and like kill the Joker. Is that really like where it kind of ends? You know, is that where the entire story ends? So I don't know. I feel, I, I don't know, dude, it's, it's crazy. I kind of lost that point there, but you, you, you know what I mean? It's just like this, it, it encompasses so many ideas and so many themes that I think aren't always present in other forms of media, specifically with like superhero stuff in today's age. Why haven't we seen a Robin on screen? At least not in a long, long time. Does Robin is not um, fit into this modern day Batman? Is he no. is he too silly, too ridiculous? Is is not enough people like Robin? Like I was like they kind of teased with Joseph Gordon Levitt, but then people just were not having it. Yeah, I don't. Nolan chose not to do it, and it's interesting because um, Nolan's quoted saying that the Long Halloween was one of the biggest inspirations for Batman, and there's a sequel to the Long Halloween Halloween called Dark Victory, and that is the story of how the that Batman got Robin, right? So it's actually pretty interesting that Nolan decided not to have a Robin in any of those movies. But I mean, when you really think about it, I, I can't think of the Dark Knight any other way than it is. Yeah, you I know. But uh, again, I don't know. I'm in this like I'm in this maybe like masochist mind state where I'm like, if there's a Robin, he has to die. <laughs> you know, like if there's a Robin, something messed up has to happen to him that has to like push Bruce into really thinking about the actions that he's taking and what gives him the right to put people in this situation. It would be hard for Batman to go darker. All right, like how much more depressed can um, can Bat Robert Pattinson get? All right, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh, okay. I remember where that Alan Moore point was supposed to go now. So what I was saying was Alan Moore didn't like that comic because he thought it was too dark and he thought it was better for Batman to kind of be campy with Adam West and have the Bat Zebra and the Bat Mite and like all that stuff. Um, So like that comic kind of changed a lot of the way that we see Batman in these like gothic tales because like you, again, you realize how malleable he is. We're like, you can have the Adam West Batman where it's just like this goofy guy in a costume chasing after these crazy people, or you can have the Paul Dano blowing up people's heads. Yeah. Well, Luke, it's been a wild ride. I love me some Batman. Um, yeah, when we talk twenty minutes on podcasting, forty minutes on Batman. Hey, man, love it. That's that's how that's how the cookie crumbles on this podcast. Sometimes I ask these things to wind ourselves up and see where it goes. Before we go, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about? Last question always goes to the guest. Um, nah, man. I mean, Nash and I are going to be starting up our podcast again pretty soon. Again, just with you know the idea that we're going to talk about movies that we care about. There'll definitely be a Batman review on that podcast. Not really sure when it's coming out. Yeah, we got a couple in the bank. He's traveling the country right now, traveling to like North Dakota and He's places. He's in North so Dakota been, right now. It's the weirdest yeah. thing. 
Yeah, so it's been a little tough to record. But um no nah, man, I just I I really I appreciate podcasting. I appreciate podcasting. I appreciate how much you enjoy it and I want other people to enjoy it too because like you don't have to take it as seriously as people might want you to think you do. You know, you if if you want to start a podcast, you just enjoy having conversations with people. You know, you don't have to necessarily have something to say you know and yeah. I, I want to i want this to come out in the right way we're like of course if you have a podcast you have something to say but don't think about it like you really got to change the world you know don't don't think about it that like there has to be an end goal right when you start because podcasts you know, could go on forever as you know going on your you know 300th episode yeah dude you know sometimes what I, mean? I, just, I just like to fuck around honestly i just like to go yeah. and just fuck around yeah right fun. and it's like fun dude I no just, it's fun no, it is. It is. So I would, I would, I would challenge anybody to try out podcasting. If you have something you're really passionate about, you know, if you like, like I said, with, with that, with that good time movie, it felt so therapeutic to talk about it with Nash because by the end of that conversation, I was like, okay, I think I have a better idea of what the point of this movie is, you know? So like maybe your conversations don't have to have a point. Maybe you're just talking about something you enjoy with your friends, like doing a 40 minute rant on Batman. You know what I mean? Easy peasy. All easy right, Luke, peasy. Uh, plug your shit. Anything you want to plug? Mahantra's post, your podcast, socials, whatever. All yours. Uh, yeah, so I do do professional podcast editing and producing and processing. Um, my little thing I like to say is that, related to what I talked about earlier, podcasting can be so accessible, and it really is so accessible. But again, there's a lot of work to it. So, you know, my kind of mission as a podcast producer is to let you just talk into the microphone. And I'll take care of the editing. I'll help you with the show notes. I'll help you, you know, get ideas for, for better hosting and stuff like that. I just want if you, if you to be able to turn on the microphone, talk about what you want to talk about, shut it off, and then not worry about it, you know? So um, if you have a podcast, you need any audio editing or audio production, help with that. Of course, uh, hit me up at luke at mahanchuspost.com. We didn't talk about Mahanchus at all. Luke at M-A-H-A-N-C-H-U-S post.com. Um, or hit up Will Tarashek too for uh, Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. You know, we're kind of we're kind of all buddies, and maybe you could, you know, dip your toes in a little bit of anything, dude. And then uh, Midnight Showing. That's all it's called. So you you got got to look for it if you want to hear it. <laughs> it's it's there. It's got nowhere to look. Well, I love I love doing that. The little, the little wink. Don't do that again. It was quick. Yeah. Keep me out. Right? <laughs> this has been talking with Tarashek. I'm well, I'm the Tarashek going to talk with Tarashek. T's and Thomas. All right. S H. UK, if you want to find all my shenanigans, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, where Midnight Showing can be seen and heard, where this podcast can be seen and heard, where the Ambiguous Podcast Solution, as well as Kings of Wings and all of Wrestling Act Radio, can be seen and heard, or across any podcast platform of your choosing. Uh, 25 worldwide, they're all there. Uh, I'll be back next week talking with, oh yeah, if you want to be a guest in this podcast, reach out to me. With that plug. <laughs> Plugs are important, Luke. Will at APSpodcast.com. It's W-I-L-L at A-P-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. And if you make me go, ooh, you'll be on the show. Congratulations. <laughs> it really is that easy. I'll be back next time talking with, I don't know, another friend. We'll see. Thanks, thanks for having me on, man. It was a good time. I got you, Luke. We'll we'll see. We'll bring you back next time. Well, Hell I yeah. next time. So I got to, my, my policy is once a quarter. So ninety days, and you welcome back on. Ninety days. All right. Ninety, 90 days. days. Ninety so days. So stop counting. Not now, yeah. but right now. 